0: Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, Opposition Breakdown. I'm not alone today. Uh, I've got a special guest. and joined here by David Anderson uh, of B's Tactical. I'm sure you've all heard him before on the Watford Buzz and I've been on his podcast a couple of times too. So you might be familiar with his voice, but uh, we're here to talk things uh, Brentford and Watford in the upcoming match.
1: And uh, yeah, thanks for joining me, David. Uh, hi, Jordan. Yeah, thanks for having me on, buddy. Um yeah, looking forward to it. I guess early on I should say congratulations. Um Thank you, thank you. You guys have sealed uh you you've sealed the big one, so I um I should I should have really actually refused to come on and talk to you, but begrudgingly I find that, yeah, I think you've done well and you've probably been the second best team. So yeah, congratulations and um yeah, let's try and unpick a little bit ahead of our game. Yeah, I appreciate the guard of honour when we when I joined the Skype call. That was that was nice <laughs> of you. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean
0: look, it's not quite the game we kind of expected it to be or in some ways hoped it would be and when it came around we thought this could be a a decider in some ways Um, but it's interesting to kind of still look look at things and kind of see how the teams are similar and dissimilar where the strengths and weaknesses are and for those of you that are listening for the first time generally I do this on my own and talk about the strengths weaknesses uh, areas that we could exploit kind of style of play shape of the opposition and uh, today we'll still be doing that uh, but we'll we'll be talking a little bit broader too because obviously both kind of fates are settled for these teams in some respect. Obviously, Brentford are still fighting for the, the highest place possible within that playoff structure. Um, and, and I mean, technically, we are still involved. We could still win the title, possibly, at this stage. Um, but yeah, we, we were thinking before this could be a, a automatic promotion kind of showdown, uh, especially with the Swansea game coming after. We were never quite sure. But yeah, we are where we are. But there's still a lot to go over in this game, and I think it could be quite an interesting one. Yeah. Um, so Brentford obviously looking in quite good form coming into this one off the back of that uh, that win at Bournemouth. I thought it was a really impressive result in the end. Um, what, what was your kind of thoughts on your, your take on that result as a
1: whole? Uh, overall, um, yeah, a really quality performance. Probably one of our best in um considerable amount of time. Um, I think confidence going into it was probably a little bit low. There's, um, there's still a few teething problems, like Frank's changed formation across the last set of games. And... Uh, we're looking a bit like a draw machine, basically we, we were looking, we were on topping games, but there wasn't this sense of doing enough to win them. And then obviously just a couple of draws in a row. And so leading into Bournemouth, we were thinking this isn't going to be great. Could be another sort of repetitive um, draw game, but it, the, the style of Bournemouth suited us perfectly. Um, we allowed them to come on to us in the early phases, didn't really let them get any shots off. And then, We just found it really easy to get through them and the shots were just racking up i think we finished on about 18 in the end um dominated them on inspected goals um non-shot xg was also dominant Uh, it was just a really good performance and i think a lot of what we'd been thinking about doing in the previous games with the two strikers um three central midfielders uh, wing backs i think a lot of it came frustratingly a lot of it came together at this point so it just so I was of the mindset of this this kind of formation this this shape and this this way we were set up we should have been doing this 15 games ago it should have been something that was ready earlier Mm. Um, and it just seems all a bit sort of after the horse has bolted now that it's it's just been brought into gear and players like cogs in it that are, that are important haven't played enough football throughout the season Marcus force he's playing every minute now of every game mm. in these last in this switch of formations but but how can he be expected to perform for 90 minutes if he's only played sort of five 10 minute cameos here and there throughout the season so there's just a it, it was obviously in isolation it was a brilliant performance um it all sort of came together limiting Bournemouth to not much but it's it's just still frustrating that um uh, that it has come together so well at this time and yeah. uh, again it might be that We've um, our best performance has also been sort of played before before the playoff final too.
0: Yeah, I think for just watching that Bournemouth game, I felt like you you just look so much better at progressing the ball now with that back three, able to kind of break the lines, and I think just the way your team sits now and sets up, it just suits it suits so many such a variety of oppositions. as you say against Bournemouth, you were kind of cutting through them quite easily. Um, I thought Bournemouth were quite. I thought Bournemouth looked very average. I was surprised they made some changes to that starting lineup, and it looked like they suffered for it. But uh, it, obviously, a massive shame too that uh, Pontus Janssen got sent off. I thought that was—I was quite surprised at his um, his display in that game. Actually, I was, he was a little bit reckless. I know he can be at times, but I thought it was quite naive mm. to, to to do what he did in that game and get those two yellows, um, especially at that point in the season, because you know it could have been no one expects you to fall out of the playoffs, but you don't want to be losing at that point. You want to be building some momentum, don't you? So I was a bit disappointed there, but uh, I think that change in shape has really, really helped you. And I think coming into this game against Watford too, it'll be something different to, for us to look at. And it's a little bit different to what we, what we saw last time we played you. Um, it's, I'd say, as you, as you were saying there, that two up front is making a big difference and, I think you just look a lot more dynamic now um whereas whereas sometimes previously it looked like you're maybe as you say becoming a draw machine it almost looked like you were going through the motions in your shape a little bit previously but now there's like seems to be a little bit more impetus especially coming from them them outside center backs able to to play into the field a little bit earlier and
1: it all seems to be working quite nicely so lots of positives for you guys yeah definitely lots of positives i think um bournemouth yeah they're one of the strongest teams in the division uh Going down to ten men with Pontus Pontus doing what um what he's yeah he's he's capable of this he just he has these moments he's done we've seen it in like the biggest stage before like in the playoff um, playoffs a few years ago with Leeds um it was it was a slightly reckless I I don't think this is I don't want to package this under some of the other stuff he's done actually I think he just got caught out by quick play there was a really it was a sort of really smart quick flick I think from Jan, Dan Juma coming in off the wing and then he did a backflip and. Back flick inside, and the play just sped up to a level he he was just caught out of position basically, and I think he just lunged in and thought he could get there. Um, the second one, yeah. Danjuma again has rolled in with, with, with a long kick, and I think it's just clever play from Danjuma. He's I mean he's got his arms over him as well. He just got his body on the wrong side, and it it's it's just it's not. I don't think it was overly reckless. I think he's just been sort of done by clever movement. And that's where he's weak. Like Bontus' weakness is actually bod- like people getting up close to him, like rolling him, moving around. Yes. He's he's an old guy now. He's not um, agile. You don't want him anywhere near that touchline yeah. and you don't want anyone quick or agile rolling around him. And that's just what happened. And you have to, when you play Bournemouth, you have to expect some of these things that th- these are going to happen because of the the size of, and the movement and the, and the way their forward line is... Um, Uh, has been built so yeah I mean it it's not really the end of the world I think maybe he could do a rest as well ready for the playoffs so it it could work in our favor but um just touching us, I think what you were saying on them, why we look so good. I think Fosu again is—he's just a player that was just. Yeah, we were screaming out. But basically, he should have played a lot more football. It's, its either going to turn into a masterstroke or, um, maybe a criminal act. But keeping him fit and fresh for these last, um, what have you got? Three, possibly another six games, I believe, including if we got to the final. Yeah. Um, having him on the sidelines and actually just. Maybe maybe just keeping a lot in the tank for this run-in and and them thinking maybe he is going to be important in these six games in a role that we weren't really thinking of, like that diamond we spoke about. Maybe him centrally just moving left to right, picking up the ball wherever he wants, coming deeper. It's, it's just almost unplayable at the moment, the way, the way he is picking up the ball. So he did really well against Bournemouth. And I think, again, it's just this frustration of, well, maybe we could have seen something like this earlier. But yeah, another, another good performance from him. And then... Just the amount of chances—the the chances were just so stark. Like in comparison, I think Bournemouth had one shot in the first half. Um, I think even when we were down to ten men, we just suppressed them to nothing. It was it was just such a dominant display. And um, but we we had a good game against them early in the season. I think the worry will be now is that can they put in another third. Almost not abject, but almost disappointing performance. And you think they've got two games of video now; they can see what's gone on. Maybe there'll be another lift um, when we inevitably, or probably will, more than likely, face them in the playoffs.
0: I, I do have to say that I, I do like that matchup for you. I think Bournemouth is a good matchup for you in the playoffs. Um, we're discussing discussing a little bit off air previously, but there are other matchups there, and the likes of Barnsley that I, I feel less comfortable with. So I think. I think you do have the psychological edge as well, of course, with that recent victory. But I just think as, as the way the two teams match up, I, I just do fancy Brentford in that one. Um, I actually fancy, fancy you guys do quite well in the playoffs personally. I know obviously it's hard to, it's, you always have that pessimistic view a little bit when you're, when you're a fan of the club, but I do think you look ready for it. Um, and, you're seeing some positives from the change in shape and i think that can be enough that can be a little, enough of a boost just to kind of push you on cuz it almost feels like somewhat of a fresh start cuz you are trying something different and the likes of fossy when they're getting minutes and you know there's lots of positives to take from it um i, I do i was going to ask actually is just going back to yansen real quick Is he is he a bit of a square peg in that system do you think or is he just is it just one of those games that just didn't quite click and he made a couple mistakes
1: uh i think there is a little bit of that. Um, I think whenever you've got, yeah, I think the touchline's just a big thing in football, isn't it? If you're a centre back and at this age, the more room you have, the better. Um, if you're sort of if you're pushed out to that right wing, you have got to worry about your outside defender as well as having the touchline there, and then you're coming up against a slightly different player. So instead of like a bulky, maybe a little bit more static centre forward, um, not in this case obviously, Solanke is quite mobile, but you could come up against a bit more of a rigid player. Whereas the positions he's finding himself in, he's coming up against the wide forwards, Dan Juma in yeah. this case. Um, so not every team's going to have a Dan Juma. So I, I, this is what this is how I think they think. I think it's okay to have him out there against the majority of teams because they're not um, of that ability and they're not of that level. But there is an element of that. I'd, if I was looking at hurting Brentford, I'd be looking at that and how could you get, would you you just basically want to pin a winger onto him and just let them cheat and say, just just keep around him as much as you can? Um, yeah. Give um, if especially if you're playing Rasmussen Roslev on the right in a right wing position. Um, not really as much ability on the ball, good running off it, but you can. I mean, you just you just put your your fullback up against him, and hopefully that your fullback could come up on top and let Danjuma go against um, the right centre back and see what see what comes off you. And it, things nearly did happen for Bournemouth. It wasn't that we. Um, Completely dominated them. I mean, they, they they did have some good situations where better finishing or or not losing their footing at the wrong time um, could have um, spelled a bit more danger for us.
0: I was actually surprised. I know we're kind of talking a lot about Bournemouth, the Bournemouth game here, but obviously we just try and give an idea of what to expect when it comes to when it comes to you playing Watford. And I think also too there might be some similarities in how Bournemouth approached that game and how we did as how we will as well. Um, so it's worth kind of looking at this one in particular. But um, what I was going to say which has just trailed just off from my mind as I was talking then. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I was to say. Um, I was a little bit surprised with Bournemouth coming into those last few minutes. I thought they they didn't really try to press you that hard in the last few. And I think if we're talking about areas where there's maybe been a little bit of frailty to Brentford, it's kind of been in those kind of final closing stages when the ball is getting into the box quite a lot. Um, possibly Raya can be a little bit rash at times and may struggle to clear his line, I think, from, from what I've seen. Um, but I, I was surprised how how slow uh Bournemouth were at getting that ball into the box is that something that worries you in these kind of final stages of games I I always go back to the Derby game and I think of Brentford in this situation um where it just kind of feels like that back line drops and drops and the midfield's dropping as well and Mm. you're just not quite able to get out and, and move up and quite often it looks like you have that out ball to Tony but if he can't hold that ball up and he's coming straight back at you and Maybe those sort of pressure situations—is that an—is that an area of weakness for Brentford that's that's not quite been resolved through this change in shape yet?
1: Um, I think it's probably a bit of an area of weakness, whatever the whatever the team they play, like whatever system they choose. Um,
0: it probably is for every team too. I'll, I'll <laughs> say it. I mean, every team hates it when their team's dropping back and they're not quite able to get out of the box. But I think yeah. I think Brentford maybe in this league. When, when a team does switch to that sort of style I think that's Brentford are probably one of the teams that don't suit that as much mm. uh, as some others maybe when, when you take if that's it especially if you take out the likes of Ponditian in that team he's one of those players you'd, you'd expect to be able to kind of clear his lines quite quickly
1: yeah I think you, no I think you're onto something um, Tony has been a good outlet this season and um, they, there was a period where we were going to him probably a bit too often actually and using him and just just bypassing the midfield but um I think where we where we struggle and teams have had good success is just I think um it's the quicker play so it's not and like quicker diet play into the forward line And I think Bournemouth got a little bit and Bournemouth can get bogged down in just playing through the thirds too much and then it's it's almost like that that suits us a little bit more I think um teams that have really teams that have done well against us and haven't actually been as lucky as they could have been is Wickham Wickham did really well in getting the ball forward got a couple of early goals in the second game we played um, the first game. We could have lost that. We, we we should have probably lost it. I think the last 30 minutes from Wickham were pretty much outstanding, just getting the ball forward into the um, Akinfenwa, getting bodies around him. That's the sort of thing we struggle to deal with. I think if you're going to play... If you're going to persist with playing through the thirds and just getting it wide and then trying to move in a little bit more and we're settled, I think we can get some good bodies around there, especially if you're not going to take shots from the edge of the box either. If you're still going to try and work it through, I think we're okay. It's just that... Yeah. Just that if it's moved um, if it's moved forward quickly and then anything doesn't go into the box it comes to the edge and you, that unsuspecting shot it happened against Derby um, I can't remember who scored the goal now but it was late um, it was just curled into the top corner and it's it's that moment like that moment of surprise and and just quicker play that we're not expecting that seems to undo us um, and yeah we, obviously we like to we like to play out where we can that's um, that's that's something we um, obviously want to do as much as possible but yeah it's it's kind of caught between those two
0: I think that's where that that kind of fear of the likes of Barnsley in the playoffs come from, isn't it? It's that different style of approach and they attack you in much different ways. They almost attack you through, through yourselves. They try and force you into those mistakes. And, you know, it's it's a completely different opposite opponent to face, isn't it? There's someone like Bournemouth. I think when you've got a technical team like Brentford, you're playing someone against you that's playing in some similar ways. It's, it's quite routine to yeah, defend exactly. against, is not it? You kind of un- you kind of understand it, and your players are built to to play in a certain way and play against that sort of opposition. They're you know they're technical footballers that you know they've mm. got some quite good athletes in there too. Um, it's when you kind of, when they kind of switch that up a little bit, and I think you've seen that struggle maybe against the teams like even Millwall, for example, where they can kind of cancel mm. some things out. Um, and uh, try to think of another example. And I know there's been a few, a few times you've you've had a similar sort of struggle.
1: Birmingham was similar. Birmingham, as well. that's what I
0: was thinking of. Actually, yeah, Birmingham, mm. and they can be very difficult, especially kind of you know in recent in recent months as well. Um, so I think yeah, it would be, it would be interesting to see. And um, this game too will be quite interesting because we're almost somewhat of a hybrid of that in some ways. We do I think one thing we have at Watford is we 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 did build a defense that was quite capable of playing that more combative physical nature in the championship. Um, and, and we do have some some more physical players kind of a little bit further forward. Although we've definitely kind of sized down um, since relegation in a lot of areas. We were definitely one of the more physical kind of imposing teams in the premiership and we've kind of changed a little bit. Um, but we're somewhat of a blend still. We've still got some of that kind of hangover from from changing that role of personnel. Um, so I think it'll be an interesting matchup. And also it'll be really interesting to see because I think we're such a different team than when we played last time. And we were touching on just yeah. before we started recording. We've kind of got some numbers up and just kind of looked through at how Brentford and and Watford compare since Shishko came in, and the, the change from from Ivić to Shishko is is, is huge. Uh, and now there's a lot of similarities in in regards to the, the two teams in terms of output, um, which is really positive to see from Watford because honestly, Brentford have always looked at as somewhat of a benchmark for us. Uh, I think for a lot of teams too, you know, you often used as that kind of Brentford almost used as a blueprint to aspire to, aren't they? Um, I think mm-hmm. the one thing that's been missing for you, obviously, now is just that kind of clinching that promotion. It's actually something um something we were discussing uh just on the previous Waffle Buzz podcast, we were talking about uh about just promotion in general. Obviously, we we're discussing our promotion. Um, and we we referenced Brentford in in fact as well. And I think the year we got promoted in 2014, 2015, we built to that kind of promotion stage over the course of three seasons. We we kind of got the playoffs had a bit of a start to the next year and then we finally made it. It felt it feels it felt like to me, Brentford, to kind of at that point now, they really have to to just not to justify, but to really kind of get the recognition and really kind of get the rewards of the the work they put in to build where they are. They feel like they have to go up this year in some ways. Um not that they literally have to, but it really feels like you need to um to kind of push on as a team now because you don't want to get stuck in that kind of area for too long. Um But anyway, sorry, the numbers are looking pretty good though for you. I still do think there are a lot of positives to take from this one. Um, And I think this is the problem too, isn't it? I think there's such a wild card of the playoffs. You can build a whole season and prepare a whole season. You can kind of pick up these results, but then it all comes down to a couple of games. And, it, it it's in, it's interesting because I think you look at the teams in there you look at the teams that have that kind of one-off game potential I'm not trying to get into cliches of you know anyone you can win any one-off game but there are teams that are specifically more suited to doing so um, I think Brentford is someone that a, a club that's such a, a process club you, you're built so, so solely for kind of progressing the team in a certain way and, and getting to this point in the season you're built for you're built for automatic promotion, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, definitely, it makes um, it makes perfect sense. I think what just um, just going back on the one t- um, the one game teams, I, I think you were just describing Barnsley. Like this is, uh, I, th- yeah. I think back to the the Barnsley had a cup match against Chelsea. I believe it was the FA Cup. Um, I think it might have been Tuchel's first game, and, uh, and I think I think he just got an absolute wake up call of like what English football's like the standards you're talking about here. Barnsley dominated Chelsea for much of this the first half. Um, Chelsea couldn't get out they, they were pressed high they were forced into the corners um, you try and build up and then there's three players around you and you're, you're trying to work out how they've got three in that area but then also they can still they can still outnumber you in the middle on the other side as well it's, they're, they're just a really good team and they box you in really hard and they are the what they're basically what they've done over this last stretch of 20 or odd games is they've they've made these games feel like one-off games but this is how they're playing every single game week after week so i don't know how they do it (laughs) i don't know how they do it it's it's terrifying watching them i think um they're using their subs really well um they've made dk was a quality acquisition at the right time um just him coming in, he's, he's outperforming his numbers at the moment, which is fair enough. Like you, you, He could regress, but he also could be one of these weird guys that just do this for a long time. He just got all the attributes. If anything yeah. comes near him, um, it's going towards goal. He's hard to get off the ball. If he's only playing um, maybe an hour in these games as well, or half an hour, then he's not playing full 90 minutes. He's just being utilised really well. And then they've got the reserves as well. So it's... Barnsley, I think are the, they're a scary they are. To, they're the team they're that nobody time wants time to play against because of it's not so much like you you could play well, but you could still actually just come on the other side of um, of, of a result against them. And it's 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 not um, it's not a team you're looking at and thinking where are their weaknesses. I think you've got to be really good on your day. Like the weaknesses are obviously in behind um, moving the ball quickly, just over the top. Um, just you just have to be brave, like and and brave. I mean, it's just another word for just playing a couple of quick passes. Break what they break the pressure they're trying to box you in. Spread the ball wide and then go on the other wing. You it's it has to be right and it has to be precise. Uh, otherwise, you're going to turn over the ball and it's it's going to be coming back at you. So it's um it's a daunting it's process. A, it's such
0: a clever system, isn't it? It's such a because yeah. basically, best case scenario, you can't play how you want to play unless unless you're a team like someone like Brentford and Watford. We're both possession based teams for large portions and. It, you have to raise your levels of possession. You have to raise the tempo you play at so much to to try and continue in that fashion. Ultimately, what they want to do is they want to disrupt you, don't yeah. they? And it's not just disrupting you through pressure. It's making you play a different game. And the first leg against them in, in our season, we we really got out coached by them. Um we weren't playing at a high enough speed. The midfield became a a no man's land. It was a dead zone. And we were just, we got to a certain point in the game, we had Etienne Capoue just quarterbacking it and trying to get it into the corners. (laughs) And it was just, it was embarrassing actually how well they kind of, they rattled us and they made it so, so difficult. Um, I think the thing is with with Barnsley, they're they're susceptible to teams that, you know, kind of play that direct style, aren't they? They, if their pressure is not, is kind of, it's not useful. It's not useful to them because yeah, exactly. the team they're playing against doesn't want the ball. Doesn't have to. You know, they don't fold to that pressure because they're not trying to hold it there anyway. Um, but when they're getting, that's what makes them so perfect in the playoffs. Is every team they play against? I mean, they match up so well to everyone in the playoffs now, um, and that that will be a massive boost. I'm not trying to make us the Barnsley podcast. i <laughs> kind of going off in a little bit of a different direction here, but we're talking about the league in general, aren't we? And I think it's if there's time to to look a little bit more widely at the league. It's probably right now when things are settled um, in terms of our league positions. But um it's just an interesting side. It's going to be fascinating to see how they play out. I think, too, one thing I will say on them as well, I, I do think the system and the way they play, I, I think in some ways you only really, when you're trying to, when you're trying to elevate a team to play beyond their means in some ways, I think the only way you can get them to do that for this kind of long of a season and and for this con- this consistently over the course of the season i think it almost does have to be a team that's lower down the table which mm. you have to convince them it's going to work and convince them that this this level of work rate and effort because it's, it's a ton ton of, like a ton of effort they put into these games every single player um it, you can't really achieve that when you have a group of players that buy into it so much but i think that does come from a team that's lower down the table and looking to you know, try and fight their way up because I, I think you'd struggle very like struggle a lot to get a team like Brentford or Watford or Bournemouth to do this sort of uh, this sort of game plan for this long. Even if there is success, I just don't know how easy that is to kind of give into the team. But what they've done at Barnsley has been I, I could talk about it all day. I think it's great.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could as well. I, I wish um I'd probably pose it back to you, like how would you beat them in the playoffs? But this is it's it's the biggest concern I think for everyone. As you were saying, the matchup's perfect. Like this is the team that um that suits playing against build-up teams. Um, if I think even Swansea as well, like they're quite methodical in how they play. It's as much as they're um, they've just outperformed all season, and they haven't created a lot of chances. They they do try and play through the thirds. It's just much slower, and much more passive, and then it, it takes a lot more to to sort of chug the chug the machine into gear. It's just a bit more of a, a bit more methodical and a bit slower. Barnsley will just absolutely love playing them like they won't they won't feel that at all and um Brentford are, uh Brentford are a maxed up version of Swansea just um a little bit more cuter a bit more aggressive um where it matters and and then Bournemouth as well they're, they're all teams that Barnsley will really enjoy playing against um but you're, you've obviously got the the joy of looking at this um as a neutral now um well, ahead of this game, I think Brentford have got a couple of questions. I think the the first is um, how do they approach these next two games? I mean, they they really they from a from a mathematical perspective, they don't mean much. I mean, we we spoke briefly about trying to to game to game your positions to avoid Barnsley until the final, but um, I'm not sure anyone has that luxury. Uh, how do you how do you plan for these two games? Get through Watford, um, Bristol, Rotherham soon. I think that's later this evening, and then still keep the team fresh for fresh for a potential banana skin of Barnsley in a final or semi final.
0: <laughs> I think just my personal opinion on on playoff kind of competitions and how you game manage for that. I think I think the biggest the biggest thing you come up against in these situations is the psychological side of the game, and the pressure and. You know the ups and downs of the games and the, the, just the pressure in general of playoff knockout football. I know you've got that two leg obviously in, in, in the first kind of round, but it's all comes down to that pressure and how you deal with it. And I think for me, I think the most important thing is continuing any momentum you have. And I, I don't think it's I know it's talked about a lot of momentum going into the playoffs, and sometimes it's proven, sometimes it's not. But what is consistent is you have to have that confidence in the squad um, i think you gain a lot from that i think that's why that win against bournemouth is so big from you too because that's such a boost uh, in a lot of ways against a team that you could be very well be facing in you know in a high high risk high reward situation um so for me i would play your best players and i would continue as, as much as possible and looking to try and build and create some positivity you risk injury of course um but i think that's a risk you have to be taking at this point in the season because that to me, is the lesser of two evils. I'd rather risk an injury and you might miss a key player in the, in the final running, but I'm, I'm going to roll that dice every time and, and try and keep that positivity I've got around the squad. Because at the moment, Brentford are in a good position in, in that sense. I think I know there's been a little bit of stuttering, a few draws, but you, you know you, you can think about that most recent result and be positive. To beat Watford, I think would be a big boost for you um, again, and you know just keep rolling. That's that's what I'll be thinking if I was Brentford right now personally. How about you? Do you think you'll take that approach, or do you think there'd be a little bit more pragmatism in terms of resting and rotating?
1: Um, I, I think I know what I'd do, but I think that probably says more about why I'm not a, a top level coach, and I'm just uh, talking about it instead. But what would you do? I'd look at these. I'd look at these games and think of them as they're, they're complete free hits now. Like you can, the psychological side of it is always interesting because. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think sometimes just outcomes just determine what, what psychological aspect we put onto events and how they've happened and when they don't happen. But if if you think of these games as um, just everything's off, they're, they're not rests, that's obviously, they're, they're still elite matches, but the pressure should be off in these. It should be a relaxation period before an event and how you get there is that's, the, that's your choice, isn't it? Do you want to keep the lads pumped, um, like high aggression, high pressure, keep it really to keep keep that level high so it doesn't dip or is there another way to to get this sort of crescendo and peak at the right time just a, just a little lull in these couple of games and then um just as you're sort of coming into the players is, but can you pick and choose that that's i guess the question like, how do you how, how do you maintain That's what I, I was going to say
0: i don't think you can
1: i don't no. think you can go in
0: between i, I just personally I, I do think you have to as draining as it is mentally and physically at times i do think you have to keep that intensity going i mm. think if you let that drop that could that could be a five percent drop in the playoff game that that costs you you know i know it's what we were talking about we're talking about intangible things here um and without being without really having a finger mm. on the pulse of brentford squad it's hard to exactly say i know you're saying how outcome can kind of outcome of games can be the, the big factor be kind of base our psychological makeup of the squad at that time but I do. I just do think it makes a difference, and I think if you're in these competitions, and the pressure is so high, I I don't I don't know how you go back and forth between relaxed and focused as quickly as you have to. And then we run these professional athletes? They should be focused. They should be prepared for this. But we've seen numerous times before. It's not always the case. Um, I think the first the first goal now is switching that mentality over a league season where, you know, you've got the next game to kinda of make up for it. You've got you know, you can you can bounce back. This is now make or break mm. in every single game and you've got to you've got to go in there to win. Um, and I think naturally, I think even if you approach it in that way, naturally there's going to be a subconscious little drop, and and that can be the rest maybe the players need, or that can be the little relaxation kind of break the players need. But you take it from being a you know ten percent or fifteen percent, a little bit, a little bit more time, a little bit more expressive but you kind of keep some of those standards whereas if you drop it off too much and you allow too much freedom maybe it's harder to get them back or not I think this is all coaching preference isn't it and obviously we're not coaches Mm. we're just kind of discussing from our own our own standpoints but just through my own experience and even playing a sport in in a playoff competition before in cup competitions myself in different sport but these things kind of I, I feel like that's always how I was more prepared but it just depends really on um on preference, I guess, because it also changes depending on depending on how the players are uh, in terms of what their makeup is and and what that squad is like as a as a group. Um, but obviously, you've been to the playoffs before, so maybe there'll be something to draw on there too. Yeah, as
1: a group, um, a lot of these, I think, I think nine players have come through again from last season, missing out on the missing out to Fulham. Um, it, it's it's really difficult to to think how to. I, I think this is where Frank is going to be good though, because these kinds of things like. I don't ever feel like I don't ever feel like Brentford are brought into games not prepared. I'd, I've never really ever had that feeling. I've, I think they've come into games with the wrong. Um, well, there's been moments in games where the right decision hasn't been made or something's taken too long. But I think the out. I think from the outset, I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong. But something that we probably well probably should be drawn on and maybe practice more is this new shape. And this is where I'm caught between two minds. I, I think the three-five-two system we're playing now is still fresh and it's in its infancy and we've had we've had it work well and we've had it sort of stutter and it's it's still it's still growing into our um into our being our main system so whether whether frank decides to continue with that just to keep that to keep the the sort of the muscle memory and the, the positions and the the slightly different build-up patterns and what happens when when a player is losing the ball or who breaks forward out of defence a little bit. There are still things that um, need to be tweaked and perfected with it, so... I, I can see. I think he will do um, more along the lines of what you're saying about just trying to keep the best team out there. I mean, Tony probably doesn't want to be on the bench. He's got some individual medals and accolades that he wants to get, like top goal scorer and things like that. Um, he'll want to play every minute. Um, yeah. How do you tell someone like that? Um, by the way, I just want to rest you for the f- for an hour in this game, an hour in the next game, and then you can play a couple of half hours, and then you can come in the fight. It's, it's quite hard to manage these individuals, and you have to. It's it's you're managing a group, but you're also You're also looking at the, you're also looking at what makes these guys tick. Um, from a personal perspective, so there's there's a lot to think about. Um, but that's why I was saying. I'm. This is why I don't think I'd be up there because I'd be saying, I'd be wrapping them in cotton wool for a few days. I'd be saying, I I don't want you to play in this game. I just want you to rest up, um, recuperate. But it might be that playing these games is what rattles them and what keeps them at that level. So. Mm -hmm yeah you're caught
0: it's a divided opinion across a lot of sports I mean I'm not sure if you watch NFL but often teams that are going into the playoff playoff round if they have a league a league fix just still remaining to be played that's always a kind of point of contention do you do you take out all your players do you switch your quarterback out do you change your offensive line you do all these things and give 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 other players opportunities but also rest these players and you know, it has varying degrees of success. It's hard to gauge how much is down to or because of that or mm-hmm. how, you know, if there's a negative impact, whether that's because of that or not. it's It seems a lot of preference. I think it's up to the coach to really gauge what his players are and, and what type of people, and what type mm-hmm. of characters they are. And I think you touched on right there perfectly with someone like Ivan Tony, I think you got to play him. You risk him. You risk him every time he's in the pitch, of course. And you, the worst case scenario, he'd be injured and in out the playoffs. I mean, obviously it'd be, that would be horrific for you, but I think you—you—it's you, really difficult, as you say, to take him out the team, mm-hmm. and that—that that goes for a lot of players, and you just don't want any negativity. And i, I don't know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's hard to say. Um, obviously, you've got a be- better understanding of Brentford than I do, but I know for for myself, and especially too, when it comes to the frailties of of what we've had at, at Watford at times, and we've had some playoff disappointment ourselves if I was still dealing with a group of players that had missed out on the playoffs I think there'll be an element within those players of, of, of nerves coming into this and pressure mm. that the, the fresh guys the new guys won't feel so how do you compensate that I think you said there's nine of them and uh, they're still kind of in this mm. team and around it uh, from last season how do you mitigate some of those fears and that apprehension they have going into it because a team like Barnsley they don't have any of that uh, and that can be that could be a big edge going into the game. I know we're obviously we, we're kind of going away from the kind of more analytical tactical side of things and talking about a lot of intangibles and psychological effects of the games. But in the playoffs, these are things you have to consider, aren't they? These are these are <laughs> aspects of the game that you have to try and find a way of assessing and. And, and playing into it because they all they all play a part and they're little little kind of changes and little minute details you have to work with that can that can change the course of your season and that's that's the stressful thing about the playoffs because you have a whole year of build up to what becomes three games um, after four you know after 40 or games it's now down to three <laughs> the rest don't matter uh, so what can you do now that's that's gonna be the fascinating thing um, but moving on to the uh, the actual Watford game that we were meant to be discussing um, but we kind of got a bit caught up with Barnsley there for a while and um, I'll say a little bit about Watford real quick, just in case. Uh, just for any Brentford fans that are listening and kind of wondering what to expect from us now, seeing that we've gone up, um, I think obviously we're in a different situation. I think we are in a situation where we can rest some players, um, and, and we can do that. With Kiko Femenia, he's out for this rest of the season now. He injured injured his uh, adductor muscle and and adductor muscle in, in the previous game, um, so he's going to be out. So right back, you're most likely going to see a change there. Probably Jeremy and Gakia. Hopefully he'll be he'll be fit to uh, participate is a good change but um, it's definitely a little bit of a little bit of a more d- defensive switch you're going to have less threat down that right hand side which of course is where we've been so potent with this Assar and Kiko Femenya they've been a real revelation for us down that right hand side so that's, that's a boost for Barnsley, uh, for Barnsley can't get them off my mind that's a boost for Brentford <laughs> um, coming into this one and then also too, you know, you do question whether Ismail Asar will play, but I, I think almost along the lines of Tony, I, I'm not quite sure if you can really justify dropping him. He's he's played so many minutes this season, but you really feel like he loves being on that pitch. And whilst we could not have him on the field, I think it's likely that he plays. Uh, but then other every, everywhere else, I think you kind of you could go either way. Um, we could see some changes in midfield. We have got a few younger players we'd like to maybe get in the team, uh, have some have some time to assess some of these guys because you got to remember too. Shishko joined partway through the season. He hasn't seen a lot of these players in competitive action uh, yet for his team, you know, in his system. And he hasn't had the preseason to kind of assess some of these. So maybe these two games are a good way of getting some understanding of how these players perform in a competitive fixture. Uh, You might see Ben Wilmot, a centre-back, uh, you might see a change in midfield too, uh, even, even on the left-hand side. Maybe Philipp Zinkenagel is deployed somewhere a little bit differently. He's yet to feature and he's kind of favoured wide right um, or or very much down the wing at all. You might see him on the left. So there's lots of things that are up in the air right now for Watford. Um, but I think we'll be playing with a level of freedom. And for me, I think Watford are best when they do so. Uh, so it might be a game that we actually perform quite well. But it, it's impossible that we'll be playing with the same intensity we were previously. We've seen what's happened with Norwich, and I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happens with us.
1: Uh, yeah, a bit of a drop off from Norwich. Um, <clears throat> it's it's really hard to tell, isn't it? I, I I guess from a from a player perspective, they've been celebrating for these last couple of days. Like it's such a big release, isn't it? Like how how many of them are really. 100% yeah. ready for this game like is it actually better to just rest them and then bring them back in for the next or or are they still uh, do they still believe that um, there's something else to grab here I, I'm not sure about the mathematics but I actually haven't checked from the top is there still a chance of we can getting still, we what... can
0: still win the. T- I think Norwich have to I think Norwich have to at least lose one Yeah, and potentially right. two I think I'm not sure I can't remember exactly off the top of yeah. my head now but I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a case of Brentford are going to have to uh, oh fuck, Norwich are going to have to drop <laughs> drop points in these <laughs> final two um, and we yeah. have to win out.
1: So yeah, so it's it's there's um there's still some things up for grabs, isn't there? In terms of like um mm. just how you finish the season and how you'll be remembered and like coming top and and uh, I guess it is a bit of a statement for next season as well. Like you're you're you've confirmed automatic promotion, but is that all you are? are you just or are you the best team in the league? And I think these these are just athletes, aren't they? They're they're they obviously yeah. think about being the best. It's not about we don't plan to be the second. We plan to be the best and then we'll take second if it comes. But we at least we gave it a good shot. But
0: this year's a bit different though. <laughs> this year's a bit different though, isn't it? It does feel like this year is just about getting over the... And I do think when we talk about kind of hangovers and stuff, I don't even think... I'm not talking about, They've been celebrating, but I don't think that hangover is a physical hangover mm. from celebrating. I think it's just that that rush of release mm. and just relief that you get from a, a, achieving that goal. Because it was, it was a goal that we we had to achieve this year in our minds. And it's not, it's not like the previous time we built to this over the course of seasons, it's a, you know, we had to come back for the first time of asking. And we know how hard that's to do. Look at Swansea, look at Stoke, look at all these teams that tried and threw threw money at kind of getting back up and it's not easy to do. So I think there was so much pressure, especially going into this final, final kind of stage part of the season. I think just the, the, the natural release from that. I think it's hard to, even if you are chasing for that first spot, I think it's hard to to match those levels of intensity and, you know, just application that you had in the previous games coming into this, coming into this one, um, just because naturally it's going to, it's going to fall off a little. And that's, that's, that leaves room for the likes of Brentford to, to exploit that situation because, you know, you, you're trying to, it's two very different things in some ways. You're trying to keep momentum going because you've got some huge fixtures coming up. We're trying to keep momentum going just to kind of, you know, not let our levels drop too much because we we want to have some dignity and have some <laughs> pride in the season. You don't want to kind of just fall off at the end of the season and and let things go. Different for Norwich maybe because it happens so early. It's hard to kind of do that. But obviously Watford just had the two games remaining uh, against teams around us too. So there's going to be some. I'm sure as you say they're athletes. They're competitive. They're going to want want to win. Um, but I think for me, if you can find a balance of that, that would also be great because there are some players in there I think that could do with um, getting some minutes and some that could do with the rest heading into heading into pre season, which won't be you know pre-season's not that that far away really when you think about it so we want to keep things
1: relatively fresh yeah there's there's almost different things at play here now like um we've spoken about um sort of trying to go for that first position but you're also looking at like assets that are not that have had okay seasons they're on the back of like a promotion team but someone like Andre Gray would you where do you like this is this is really shot window time for Gray. Like he's had a pretty average season. If he can get if he can get three goals between now and the end of the season, suddenly his numbers look a bit stronger. He might be rem- like exactly. recency bias remembers him a little bit better. I mean, I know the game's gone in terms of like the actual outcome of what you what you what the process was all about, but you could be looking at um, adding another. You could be like cementing or. Getting sort of five million or, or ten million onto his fee, or or just basically cementing a baseline for him because he's got this this number of goals. So I'd um, that yeah, I, I'd expect there to be a, com- a couple of changes. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Gray start. I think that would be um, that would be probably the first um, little drop off in like top um like the top levels you're trying to find just letting grey come in from the beginning and then maybe bringing the others yeah. on um not like a i think that's a
0: good point that's a very likely change actually david i think that's something yeah. you might see yeah
1: i i, I wouldn't i think it'd be good for him i think um to see, like he's worked hard as a backup player but now that now that it's gone the pressure's off let, let's let him start from the beginning and see how he does and uh, he knows brentford well he's played against them many times he's played for them as a club he <laughs> I'm not sure how much crossover there was between players now. I think a lot have actually moved on since he was here with us. But um, yeah, it's it's just an opportunity for him to uh, to get a run out. Um,
0: just curious on this one, David. How what how do you remember Andre Gray as a Brentford player? What's kind of your thoughts when you think of
1: him? Uh, I've got yeah. So Gray is um, just a very interesting player. So we bought him from Luton, and um, it was of, like it was just sort of a coming together of stars. So he was doing big numbers in um, the lower leagues, non-league, and uh, we picked him up and he was brilliant for us in that first season, got us to, I think we got to um, the playoffs in our first season back in the championship. It was just an amazing signing because of his just just those raw skills like the energy the size of him um, that that sort of low centre of gravity um, just really good at what I was describing what Pontus hates and what a lot of championship centre-backs hate is just movement around them or or just that movement off them and he was really good at that and technically probably one of the worst players I've ever seen um, (laughs) playing professional football Uh, but like the sort of because of his he obviously didn't have like an academy upbringing he's not been through the same sort of honing and the same regimented repetitive things that a lot of these other players have been through yeah. so you can see that in his in his movement and his game but he improved like you could see him improving as the season went on and then he went to Burnley I believe he got his move to yeah. Burnley and probably didn't play a style that was going to bring him on quick enough um I was actually there for uh, the semi the Watford semi-final against Manchester City a few years ago the FA Cup semi-final where um I think Gray was up front with Dini And that was the first time I'd seen him in the flesh since he left Brentford. And uh, I, yeah, I mean, this is just not, it was almost as if, even from like where we were, we could see that Deeney was having to coach him positionally through this game. Like say, I need you to come closer to here or or maybe move wide at this point. He's, he's just not was it very, the FA Cup it's final, did you say, on there? I think it was a semi-final, I believe. I think it was against Man City in the semi-final. I think De La Feo scored a lovely goal into the top corner. Oh, I think it was against Andrew Wolves. T- Sorry, Wolves. Yes, yes yeah. not not um, yeah. not City. Sorry, yeah, yeah. it was City. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it was against Wolves. Apologies. Yeah. Um,
0: that was hell of a game. Uh, but yeah, it was. Yeah, that was
1: a great game. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. Um, it was a real treat to be there. I'm, I've got a really good, um, well, big Watford supporting friend oh, okay. who's um, who brought me along. I've, I've actually been to. So I was there also when. Um, knock uh, knockout missed that penalty in the last minute. You've been the two biggest Watford <laughs> you, you, know, you, exactly. you should be inducted into
0: the waffle. I game. should be hosting this yeah, pod, not there, just a how guest. The how, how, if them two games can't convert you, I don't yeah, know what so it's,
1: Yeah, it's hilarious, isn't it? But yeah, I've, I've been there for those moments and I, I, I remember Gray just in that game and seeing... You, you can all, you can see... He's, basically, he's just a player that you can... His limitations within a match are really, really obvious. Yeah. You're going to get these moments where... He is so quick and he, he can he's got an incredible power behind him. Like that and as soon as if you can hone that and get his um passing tighter and get him a bit more intricate, I think even against I watched the what was the last game he played? The Millwall game back, mm-hmm. um, you can see when the ball goes wide, and he's come out wide. Like some of his one-touch play inside is just going to—it's going to people that aren't there. Like the the pass is on, and it should be crisp and back, but it's going slightly astray. And then the moves move because everyone's looking at each other, thinking, "Who was that to?" And you have to pick up the ball. Yeah. These are just things you're going to get with Gray, and you you probably always will get them. Now, it might be that. Um, no one has the time to put in with him to just get this next bit ready or that he does, he just goes to a club where I mean imagine Gray at Millwall this is what I was thinking like, I try and think of where these players might be better suited and somewhere like Millwall where they've got that quick play and it gets forward into the foreline line quick there's not much thought about it you've just got Wallace just um, dropping his shoulder, coming in quickly, and just playing it into the box. Um, there's not too much central build-up. It's it, and that's where I think he'd suit as a backup, as like the four or five guy in a in a top team in the championship. Maybe he's okay, but I, I think he's probably slightly better than that. But again, it's the issue to, with getting out of the championship. This is the
0: issue. It's it, is yeah. a predicament with where he is right now in his career because mm. obviously when you're signed for such a fee and he's on the contract that he's on, it's it's. It's, very strange. it's a very strange piece of recruitment for us because we don't normally fall into that trap of rewarding players that have performed at a club that play in an ex- extremely different system to what we do and then bring them in regardless of fit. Because he's not. He's never been a good fit for Watford, which is. it has been difficult. He has some varying degrees of success. And his most successful period is when he kind of had some, some cameo moments off the bench. And at that period of the game, when we were chasing games. Um, his style of play was kind of brought into it a little bit more and he was able to... He was able to perform there because he does have that that rawness to his game where he can capitalize on those mm. situations. But he needs to be he needs to be playing an opportunity. He's one of them players that has to play on instinct, and you have to have him kind of yeah. running through yeah. and yeah. taking shots at goal. You know, he's gonna he's gonna smash the ball as hard as he can at the goal a lot of the time. He's gonna be direct. You don't want him involved in build-up play because I, I was probably the thing I was most surprised about when he came. Actually, was I always thought of Gray as. As an athlete, kind of quite you know di- direct, but he moves well. And I, I was actually kind of surprised how stiff he was. He's quite a square player. Um, he doesn't have mm-hmm. he doesn't have much bend to his run. He doesn't have uh, he doesn't have much agility. He's quite quite stiff in a lot of ways. Um, so he is kind mm-hmm. of a bit of a straight straight line runner. And if you're not playing in that way, he's not going to be kind of arcing those runs around centre backs. So he is very much straight, and we don't really play in a way that suits that. And it's never really come off of him in that sense. And it's unfortunate because it's. It's tough to watch someone that's playing, even in the championship, I'd say he's... I don't, I'm not trying to criticise Gray too much. That's not what obviously I'm trying to do. But I do think the championship is maybe a level above him, technically, um, in some ways. But there are ways to use him, and as you said, the likes of Millwall or even someone like Birmingham, the, these teams I feel like could be quite useful for him. But how does it, how does a Birmingham or a Millwall facilitate the move for Andre Gray? Yeah,
1: exactly. It's, it's a
0: real. He's, he's stuck in a no man's land of his career, and it's hard to watch actually. Because um, honestly, I, I would love nothing more than to see Andre Gray play regularly and, and do well. And there's been some issues with him here off the field uh, during lockdown. Couple of couple of. Uh, covid breaks he shouldn't be uh mm. having poker nights and stuff during that which doesn't help endear yourself to a to a club in this in this time and also he the club did that like put him through a weird interview where he had this kind of long heartfelt apology apology interview which really just kind of missed the tone that it just didn't quite work but it's it's really disappointing it's, it's sad to see and he scored a last minute equalizer against luton that was ruled offside and you could see that was even that was such a moment of relief for him so it's it's difficult but yeah, I mean, I just wanted to kind of how, how you felt about that as a as a Brentford fan. And obviously it was a very successful time for him there uh, in a lot of ways. And it's always been kind of frustrating. We just never had to see that kind of transfer over to us. But yeah, it's a, it's a disappointing one. It's just, I think for me, I, I want to see that that it doesn't fit i want to see him get put somewhere that it it does fit a little bit more for him but i think it's going to take it's going to take a lot for that to kind of transpire because there's no fee that i can see really being paid from at this stage that is going to be anywhere close to regaining any of the fee we paid um and then you've got to take on the wages so i think we're probably looking at a loan with a
1: portion of that wages paid by us uh to really see him move this summer Mm, yeah he's He's just an interesting case study I guess. Um I don't think he's done badly. It's it's really it's just depends where you're measuring this stuff. Like he has come late into football, like into into professional football and the top flight. Um and someone like Vardy was similar and but he was obviously quite a different player and a, a sort of different body shape and um yeah just just a, he is a different player in a, in many respects but A a lot of like this shouldn't be the end of players like using it as a case study for players who are coming like late into the game. I I don't think it'd be the end. I think it was just the beginning. And um, uh, he was also he's fought fought so fondly from Brentford. I think Um, he was the first player that we kind of got that real idea about you're you're purchasing players here to sell on for big fees, and it just normalised us to this. Basically, you just have to understand that these players are they are there to serve a purpose. Um, They're not these. I think we just had this transition of you. You had a player, you have him for maybe eight years or whatever. He stays at your club. He kisses the badge. He like he adores your club. But this is not. Yeah. This isn't how you run a successful business. You have to be moving these things on at a profit. As if it's your. If these are your these are your assets basically you can't just you can't have all of them sit there and you have to and you have to just understand which ones will improve just enough at your team so they can move on and you can fool another team to paying into into those fees that are just enough mm-hmm. to keep use floating and then building again he was really important in that um, but yeah watching his career I think um I don't know whether this, has he got the most out of it. I probably has in terms of where he where he went to and like what he's done. I, I don't know how much more he could have done. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to really put um, put a number on how many more goals should he have had, or or should he have more assists, or or should he have played more minutes. Basically, I
0: just don't think. I just don't think the team exists for him to move. I think when he got to Burnley, I think when he, when he kind of got that stage mm-hmm. of his career, firstly, it's very rare that, that the Pozzos sign a player at their kind of highest value, maximum value. It's very unlike us to even make that signing. Um, but, you know, you're always looking to kind of make your money back at some point, or you're finding a lot of value in a player like, you know, Etienne Capoue, for example, who, who you kind of bringing in for a few million pounds. And he's someone that, you know, you either keep around for a few years, you might not make a massive profit on him, but you get your money's worth out of him. because you pay six million pounds or what have you. Uh, Andre Gray, we signed at a decent age, kind of 25, 26, that time of his career where he's wanting a move, been quite successful at Burnley. Burnley we, played, we paid that 18 million, which we were never going to see return. Um, so, that was always kind of quite high risk. And it was at that stage of his career, I don't really see where he could have gone there. It would have been a massive fit because Burnley was kind of a good place for him in that stage. Um, There's any team that starts to kind of play in a little bit of a different manner. It's hard to kind of fit him in. And I've said this numerous times, is Andre Gray's skill set worth building around for a team? Do you get enough back for for kind of focusing the entirety of your attacking play around Andre Gray? Probably not. Um, So it's unfortunate, but obviously I don't want to harp on too much on Andre Gray. I think covered him pretty well there uh, but it's nice to hear because I think it's something that Watford fans are definitely curious about because we've had we've had lots of mixed emotions around Andre and I think there's a lot of sympathy, a lot of frustration, all these things. Uh, and, but we always see it from a Watford perspective. You know, we don't really hear too much from, from the Burnley fans, how he was there or, you know, Luton fans. Obviously, we not we don't interact with too much uh, in, in a kind of positive manner. So it's good to hear it from a Brentford pers- uh, perspective. And there aren't really too many crossovers from Brentford and Watford in recent years. So um, it's, yeah, it's good to hear. But uh, yeah, back to our game then. So are you kind of thinking that... Uh, What's your prediction for this one? That's kind of what I'm curious to hear.
1: Um, Prediction-wise, I think I think it's I think we'll view this as a as a as a way of um, just testing what we're going to come up against. I think there's there's a few aspects of the teams we're going to play in the playoffs that Watford show. So I, I think the the defensive side does a really good shape. I think um, will remind us of Swansea a little bit of what we have to break down. I think. Um, the Wideman side, like the wide players, Pedro and um, Sarr, if they come on the pitch, it, w- it will be another bit of just sort of trying to defend against um, a Bournemouth in a way. Like Bournemouth tend to play a right footer out on the right wing. There's the cutting in of Dan there's similarities there. Um, and then I t- we're probably not going to get the Barnsley high pressure or, or sort of the direct style of Barnsley, but... There is a little bit of that in Watford too. I think, um, I was just looking, actually before we came on, I was looking at Backman and sort of how much the goalkeeper situation has changed you. Um, uh, maybe, maybe actually, this is a good chance to move on to just to summarise Watford and how you have pipped us, but um, Backman's um, kicking out for, so something like goal kicks, like restarts, um, much more swaying towards the long direct kick out of, as opposed to um, just playing it short and actually trying to build possession low. So he just goes long much further. So that would be a good Barnsley tend to go quite long. They they don't mind um, they don't mind getting out there. Neither do Swansea. It's only really Bournemouth who are a bit more methodical, and that'll be quite interesting to see how we defend that longer ball. um, like our centre backs competing with um, Semer or or Sarr, if it goes either side, not that they're exceptional in the air, but it's just a it's just that challenge that you have to keep defending against. Um, Ishmael Saar is surprisingly good in the air,
0: actually. Though that is why well, it's it, his spring, isn't it? Not it's much. not that he's
1: yeah, he's,
0: a, he's quite a big guy yeah. too. He's a, he's about six foot, which is it can get lost in on the camera, I think sometimes. Mm. But um, I will say one thing on on Backman too, um, just to give those numbers a little bit of context. There, um, I think. The one thing that's worth considering with those is when Ben Foster was playing the majority of his minutes, or when you know a lot of his minutes came under Ivic where so much of that possession was built from mm. the back and never really got forward too much, but Backman is definitely the better of the of the players on the ball out of Foster and backman mm. um and what backman does do fairly well and fairly often is he is very capable of just chipping that ball out to the fullback, which we we saw. Very rarely executed cleanly by Ben Foster, but that does give us a little bit more. And that possession is maybe not fed to the centre backs as much. He does get quite long with it with his kicks too. Um, he's got a much better strike of the ball than Foster. His range is, is a lot better, and it can be quite effective, especially when he does it early too. So I think you do get still quite some variety in there. You will have that ball chipped out to the fullbacks, but as you say, um, our two wide men are quite capable in the air, and I think their their matchups against fullbacks are quite good. Um, a lot of the times, obviously, it's a little bit different if maybe they get picked up on one of your back
1: three. Um, but if so, yeah, it'd be, it'd be an interesting match. Yeah, I, I think that's just pose um, some interesting um, bits for us to deal with. Um, uh, midfield would be quite a good battle as well. I, I think um, you'll you'll go with three. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they cope up against. Well, whether Will Hughes plays or not, I think that would be. That's a question for. Munoz to Cisco to answer um whether you do have that pivot who is going to pick up the ball and because we're, we're playing with two strikers now if we if those two well Tony can work the line quite well on his own but we were reliant on wingers before we switched this 352 now the front line has got force and Tony sort of spreading left and right if Fossu doesn't get into shape quickly if he's caught on one of those wings we it could be that we're a little bit open in that central area so um that that would be quite interesting I think um if cleverly plays as well, him backing up Hughes or, or just applying a bit of pressure on on us when we're trying to actually build up ourselves, it, it could be quite interesting in the middle. I, th- I, th- I think it will be quite an. I've in- I, I, I obviously mentioned that I th- I'd rather Watford uh, treated it as like they're done now and maybe rest a few players, and Brentford yeah. did the same. But I, I don't think that can really happen because these these guys are um, these basically these guys are quite confident they love themselves that they're not they're not there to roll over like Brentford will be wanting to show even though it doesn't matter Thomas Frank and Brentford will be wanting to show Watford that actually you've got their automatics but I think we've really we're a better team than you we are better we've been better all season our numbers are better um we're just a better team and there'll there'll be that element of of showing them what's what so um Mm. yeah it's going to be fascinating to to see how it uh See how it pans out, but if if we do play that midfield three, if we if we do put because there's a, there's a chance we kind of
0: have two options. We either play a kind of a, te- a pressing tandem in the front of in front of Will Hughes and what two of three of uh, Chaber Cleverly, Gosling. Uh, if we do play that as opposed to having that more advanced midfielder, they'll be a little bit more creative and Philip Zingane will kind of come in centrally. If we do play that midfield three with the, the kind of more pressing uh, mentality that's at least a decent, kind of a decent, in a microcosm, like a little smaller version of Barnsley in that midfield there. It might give you mm. a little bit of time to to adapt to a team that's going to be looking to disrupt things. Because Cleverley, is a, he, he's, an, he's a nightmare to play against in a lot of ways. I think he, he makes it extremely difficult to build up from the back and also just that kind of single pivot midfield. I know, I know your shape's changed a little bit, but if you're looking to build up from deeper areas in the pitch, it, it becomes a lot harder. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's somewhere you've got to look at Somebody got to look at kind of adapting to and playing playing from that width a little bit more, which is difficult when you just made that change. Of course, um, kind of taking out those more natural wide men that you had previously. But it's an area that you know might be worth. Practice. It's, it's a good. It's a good dry run in some ways, isn't it? I think mm. for you guys, you may be looking at how do we how do we use this as a. Almost a training game in a sense to to kind of build on some some fundamentals you might need to kind of instil in the team coming up to those potential playoff games. But I think that's maybe would offer you a good variety of challenges there yeah. that you can kind of you can kind of build for a little bit and and see how that pans out. Um, it should be quite honestly, I think it should be quite an interesting one. I'm quite intrigued to see how it goes, uh, especially because. I mean, personally, I would like to see Brentford go up with us. So it, it's, it would be good to see and understand, get an understanding of kind of what to expect kind of coming into these last few games. But um, we've gone on pretty long here, I think, actually. Is there anything you want to uh,
1: touch on anymore? David, is there anything else you want to kind of cover real quick? Um, no, I think we've um, we've covered everything, really. I think we've had a good um, coverage of sort of the playoffs and um, Watford. Um, nothing in particular. No, no I, I just think, um, just as maybe summarise, um, I, I think you have been better than us across the season, Uh I think there was um there was a couple of moments in the first half of the season where I was convinced that you were just a mid table team with Sar and Pedro and I, I think you were heading on that route. But the the timing of like sackings and changes worked out really well and um just um just demystifying what you were doing and and so, i guess to finish as well like um sometimes the right decision just sort of falls up like falls on these coaches and things are out of their hands but then the right answer is presented to them and it's it looks like um it's a great plan with with deanie and uh with even backman in gold and foster um coming out for a long time it looks like that was a genius move but it's also happened um from half a stance so, so it's yeah it's just quite interesting and. Uh, yeah who who knows I mean we've pushed you fairly far like close um two games to go, and it's only it's only sealed now, so it's it's been tight it's um I wouldn't say you've ever been totally comfortable. There's always that element of, "Gosh, are we going to do it?" And um, yeah, you, you've done it. So yeah, congratulations. You got to you got to um, give um, credit where it's due.
0: Yeah, I think also too you mentioned them changes there. I think that's that's something. I mean, obviously, if you listen to any single game that's covered on on, on Watford, especially on Sky, and especially in the Premier League, the first thing that's read from the commentary list is how many managers we've had and how many seasons. Um, and we talk about change, but we have an ownership that's quite proactive with changing things and looking to to be quite flexible. And if you kind of look at our history in terms of you know changing managers, we haven't done too badly. We've got promoted twice and avoided relegation for four years on the back of that. Obviously, we got relegated once in that time, but it's been pretty positive on the most part. So those sorts of changes kind of combined with, um, as you say, almost kind of circumstantial changes in the likes of Back when kind of coming in to replace an injury and Troy Dini being injured, allowing us to or maybe prompting us to change shape a little bit. It's been the perfect storm really. I think every I think every promotion has some element of that for the most part. Mm. Um, and we just had the luck in some ways. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a really good um, it's been a good battle actually. There's I don't think there's been a single a single time this season up until the last up until the last game or up until this game where we haven't been looking at uh, how Brentford are getting on come three o'clock and we're always kind of keeping up with your scores and you know same as Swansea to, to an extent miraculously um, and some of the teams around us. But it's really felt like it's been kind of us two fighting for it for a lot of the season uh, in my mind at least. So. Yeah, it's been a pleasure doing battle with you, really. But um, hopefully we'll be, <laughs> be going again and, and covering yeah, the two hopefully we meet again. Yeah, in the Premier League, that'd be, that'd be ideal. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I mean, thanks for joining me again. This has been a bit of a hybrid, be tactical Watford, uh, Watford breakdown here. Um, but thanks a lot for joining me, David. I do appreciate that. It's been good to chat. Um, and, yeah, good luck in the playoffs, uh, predominantly. We, we, oh, we'll thanks. be watching keenly. I think you're definitely the favourite amongst Watford fans. Brentford, I think, will be the, the one we all kind of have a soft spot for um so yeah thanks again um yeah you've listened to the what for buzz podcast i'm jordan wymer this is david anderson i don't think i introduced did i even introduce us at the beginning of this i don't know but if you didn't know i'm jordan wymer and that's david anderson thanks a lot uh, for listening and uh, yeah we'll catch you next time